Hi, with Ainsley Boyan, and this is the weekly wrap on this day, the 2nd of September 2016. Australian dollars, gold is sitting at 17.40 and silver at $25.05, with the Aussie dollar at 75.5. So this week saw both gold and silver stronger on last week, with the weaker Aussie dollar helping gold, but with silver stronger in US dollars as well, and the gold silver ratio back under 70 again at 69.5. Last week ended with everyone hanging on the nuances of language from the Fed at Jackson Hole. We wrote about it Monday, so I won't go over it again, but long story short, it was hawkish, then dovish, and then maybe hawkish again, and then that was how the market reacted. It's now all eyes on tonight's all-important NFP employment figures. Wednesday night maybe gave us a little insight with the US private sector payrolls ADP report showing a rise of 177,000 in August, essentially in line with 175,000 expectations, but continuing its declining trend. In a familiar theme, it saw services sector add 183,000 jobs, whilst goods producers and construction subtracted from that. Over the last couple of months, however, the normally consistent NFP and ADP reports have been diverging, so it is hard to gauge what this means for tonight. That said, the market took it as meaning a stronger NFP, and gold and silver got sold off on the news before largely recovering. As usual, the Fed said any rate rise would be data dependent, and it wasn't a great week for that yet again. Firstly, they finalised US US Q2 GDP at just 1.1%, down from the 1.2% previous estimate. Clearly, time to tighten on such rampaging growth. The Fed's preferred inflation indicator, the core PCE deflator, remained at just 1.6% year-on-year for a fifth consecutive month, well below the Fed's current target of 2%. I say current, as they confirmed on Friday night that they may well raise that if it becomes inconvenient for more easing. US personal income was in line with expectations, rising 0.4% in July, and likewise spending up 0.3%, but of concern for the Fed is the savings rate remained high at 5.7%, indicating consumer caution and not what zero interest rates want you to do. Go out and cause inflation, you people, so we can inflate away all our debt. The Chicago PMI fell from 55.8 to an almost contractionary 51.5, well below expectations of 54.1, and with weakness across new orders, inventories and production. That early signal confirmed the worst when last night the broader US manufacturing indices were released, both missing expectations, with the PMI dropping to 52 and the ISM collapsing further and now into contraction at 49.2. Both saw new orders falling, which is a bad sign early sign of things to come. It certainly wasn't property to the rescue either when, for the first time in four and a half years, the 20 city composite price index declined for its third straight month. We then saw pending home sales fall year on year for the second consecutive month, down 2.2% in July, when 2.2 rise was expected, but masked behind a better than expected month on month print of 1.3%. Taking a trip around the rest of the world and the trend is the same. Chinese manufacturing PMI poked its head above contraction, printing just 50.4, and non-manufacturing down to 53.5. Japan saw another fall in household spending, down 0.5%, and retail sales down 0.2%. Clearly, consumers aren't getting the negative interest rate message to go and spend, not save. Reinforcing this, GDP shrank 0.3% in July. And if you thought they hadn't already gone too hard with stimulus, one of the more alarming speeches at the Jackson Hole Central Bank Love-In was that of Bank of Japan Governor Kuroto, who said they have ample space for additional 
monetary easing to revive the country's economy and indicated they could cut interest rates further into negative territory despite opposition from banks and which have seen their profitability seriously affected. He added, and I will quote, take additional easing measures without hesitation in terms of three dimensions, quantity, quality and interest rates, if it is judged necessary for achieving the price stability target. Now, I don't know about you, but the word stability in that sentence seems a little out of place. In the Eurozone, July unemployment rate rose slightly to 10.1% and the August flash CPI dis- disappointed yet again at a barely positive 0.2% when 0.3% was expected. Still in Europe, and we have written and warned about the growing occurrences of governments pilfering pension funds and the like around the world, as debt saturation and continual deficit sees them looking elsewhere. The latest is Norway, where for the first time since its establishment in 1996, the Norwegian government started withdrawing money from its sovereign wealth fund to cover deficit spending. They have already taken $5.4 billion in the first half of the year and are set to take nearly $20 billion in the second. The context is even scarier as government spending accounts for 60% of the nation's $375 billion economy. At home and our manufacturing sector saw its first contractionary index print of just 46.9 after an eye-watering fall of 9.5 points. We also saw our market, uh, our share market finished the month of August in the red, in part waiting for the NFP print tonight, but also on another lacklustre earnings season. We'll catch you next week and remember, balance your wealth in an unbalanced world.